Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to this week's show. Mike and Gino here talking to you about Raider Nation. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. We're going to be joined by two fantastic Raiders guests. The first one is going to be assistant head coach, special teams coach, Rich Bachasia. And then we're going to be joined by Victor Four from The Athletic San Francisco. Gino should be a fantastic episode. Super looking forward to talking about the Raiders. Yeah, this is the time of the year where we're, we're going uh, into the, the training camps. This is training camp time. So this is really fun when you're able to, last week we were able to talk um, kind of Dallas Cowboys, and now we're going to be able to hit on a lot of the different teams. Talk about um, big, big teams to talk about, sexy teams. Dallas and, and Oakland are two of the, the biggest fan bases in all of the NFL. So I think um, we're going to have a lot of interest in Gruden. What's it like with Gruden coming in? Um, what's the atmosphere like? Um, some new faces. Uh, we're going to see Jordy Nelson now. Uh, Bryant's in there. How has Khalil Mack developed? What's happening with Derek Carr? There's a lot to ask. Um, it's, and a lot of questions I think that the Raider fans will have. So, And I know you, Mike, uh, you uh, you are the biggest Raider fan that I know. we got to be honest, right? You have uh, – You've got a dog named Raider, and this is this is where you actually got your start with the Raiders, wasn't it? Your first in, your first involvement. Yep, ex- exactly right. Uh, right after I finished college, I got really lucky. Got an opportunity to be an intern in the corporate sponsorship marketing department under Raiders legend Morris Bradshaw, who, upon retirement, you know, rejoined the team, which is not uncommon at all. A lot of the Raider legends, Super Bowl champions from yesteryear, are part of the organization. You know, over the years, Jim Otto and Willie Brown and, you know, uh, just so, so many that uh, I can't even name them all are part of the organization, whether it be on the radio team. You know, Coach Flores has been part of the radio team for 20 years. Actually, this year is going to be replaced by Brent Musburger. Uh, but that's a, a separate conversation. But so many uh, Raider legends are part of the organization. So for me, you know, I really grew to love the team, the what it was all about, what it meant to be a Raider. Very different than any other organization in professional sports. Well, let's Very get started. Very different than anything else in baseball, football, basketball. They do things differently. Uh, they go about things differently. Their PR is conducted in a different manner. Uh, you name it. I mean, it's very hard for me to even come up with words, really, to describe it. Yeah, it's so a feeling. It's, it's just like an it. overall. It's an yeah, overall. Yeah, but here's the funny thing. Over the years, I've heard a lot of adjectives used to describe uh, Raiderland. Uh, ranging from dysfunctional to extremely loyal and family oriented. And it's maybe somewhere in the middle, but I didn't really see much of that, you know, negative stuff. Uh, I think a lot of that is kind of media fabricated. That's um, from far away. When you're yeah. on the inside, it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, like it's, it's just, uh, well, you know, and I've been, a, I've been a part of some organizations where I'm kind of like that yeah, media has got it right. This team's, you know, there are a bunch of a-holes running it, but I've never, ever once felt like that through all the years. Now, during the years I was there, there was a lot of coaching turnover. Teams really weren't very good. It was kind of a transition period between, you know, the Raiders of the 80s and early 90s that got to the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowls in the 80s to the Gruden transition. So I kind of caught the, the very uh, middle 
portion there and then the early first year of Gruden. So I kind of saw that transition and we know what's kind of happened uh, over the last 15 years or so since the last Super Bowl. Derek Carr's brought a lot of excitement to the team. So there's so much to talk about uh, today, Gino. Let's That's get right into it. I think we got Coach. Uh, I think we got Coach Rich first waiting. So let's jump right in. Yeah, let's let's get that going. Uh, this should be really exciting. We are going to be really, really treated with an amazing guest coming up here for all Raider Nation. He's literally coming off the practice field to speak with us. I'm talking about the Raiders assistant head coach and special teams coach, Rich Bachasia. Coach, how you doing, my friend? How are you today? Good, Mike. How you doing? You're doing pretty well. Uh, is it a trick or a treat that we're, uh, we're getting the on the phone today? I'm not really sure. Hey, man, this is an absolute treat for Raider Nation. You know how it is, man. They totally eat up the Raiders, especially now with the new coaching staff. I know Raider Nation's really excited about it. Were you at the uh, launch party at Ricky's last week? Uh, no, I wasn't able to get there, so I'll okay. back in a little bit, a little bit yeah. after that. But we've seen um, plenty of video of it, and, and I've been on uh, the other side of the black hole a bunch, so I, I can't be more excited to be on this side of the black hole and really looking forward to being in, in that end zone in pregame. Outstanding. Now, Gino and I have so many questions for you, but let's get things started with this. Uh, first of all, just so our listeners know, uh, Rich is probably one of the most uh, respected amongst his peers. Uh, NFL coaches will tell you in their circles that he's probably the best special teams coach in the league. So it's no surprise that when Coach Gruden was assembling his staff, he came to you. Take us back to that very first conversation before you knew for sure that Coach Gruden was uh, coming back out of the booth and into the Raiders' uh, head slot there. How did that phone call go when he first called you to say, hey, I'm coming back and I want you to be the guy? <laughs> yeah, well, as you know, he's been out a little while and we've, you know, we've actually had, we've had so many phone calls and we basically over the last nine years have spoken maybe three, three times a week in, in early morning conversations. And, and I, so I've known for a long time he's wanted um, to come back in, into coaching and I just think he wanted the, the situation to be right. And, and um, you know, when he, I think when he finally made up his mind, whenever that uh, night was, I can't remember, it was, it was towards the end for me and the season had ended um, for me in, at, at uh, Dallas. And, and, you know, we, we uh, won our last game, but didn't make the playoffs. And, you know, I get a call from him and I thought it was going to be a normal conversation. And, and uh, he felt like um, he thought he was ready. And uh, and he wanted to know if, if um, what my contract status was and where we were at. And I had a little bit of a, a contract issue because I was under contract for another Another two years, I just signed a new deal. So, um, but you know, he wanted to know if I was in, and, and uh, I said I'm gonna do everything I can to be in. And so, um, we worked it out. A really respectful of Jones family, Mr. Jones and Stephen. We had great conversations, and um, really respectful of them. But giving me this opportunity to to come back and be with John. So that's kind of where we're at now. Having been a coach for 35 years, 17 of them in the NFL. Right. Tell us and tell our listeners, you know. You're now back-to-back years with legendary franchises, two of the most popular teams in the entire NFL, probably in the entire planet. When you're talking about the NFL, the Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys, what are the differences in terms of organizationally speaking approaches to, uh, you know, to football, to coaching, to, you know, the fans, uh, you know, walk us through all those ranges of, uh, you know, the differences between the two teams thus far. I know you have a short sample size with the Raiders so far, but what are your first impressions? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, it's a, that's a great question. You know, I, I try to talk to a lot of people about 
the particular deal of, of you know, if I could just get a job with the New York Yankees here in the next four or five years, you know, I, I really feel like I, I, uh, I will have worked for the, the three most global brands in all of sports. What, what, know, what are special teams in baseball anyways? Uh, yeah, you know, bunting, um, the, the real uh, A, the real A, real A from center to second to guy <laughs> out. It takes, it takes three guys to do that. So, but I mean, the, the opportunity to, to certainly to work for the Dallas Cowboys and now, you know, the Raiders and, and um, the, the one thing that is extremely similar organizationally is their family owned. Um, you know, and I, I think that's a, that's an incredible thing to think that, you know, people have all their family working um, within the organization and, you know, to be a part of what Jerry Jones built um, in the Dallas Cowboys and now to, to be here and to be in the building where, you know, Mr. Davis, um, ran the show and, and uh, now to be and meet Mark and, and uh, to be a part of the Oakland Raiders and to, to wear the shield, you know, after wearing the star. And I really look at myself as being so fortunate um, to have had the opportunity to be with, with both organizations. And, and um, you know, the long history here of, of you know, the, the Coliseum and playing in that place and playing on the third early in the year and, and uh, the history of the players that play here, you know, for me, when Lyle Alzado became a Raider, you know, we went to the same school. Um, different times, of course, but when he became a Raider, I was, was a big fan, and I was a, a Namath camper when I was a kid, and Phil Filipiano was there, and, and uh, Fred Bulitnikoff, and Kenny Stabler, and so, you know, the history of this place, to be able to walk in that building and be on that field, and then to be a part of what, you know, Coach Gooden wants to do, um, to breathe life back into the, the Oakland Raiders, and to the fans of Oakland, and um, again, if we can get this thing back on track, and, and uh, hope we can get ourselves in the winning way, and bring back everybody being excited about the Raiders. So I'm, I'm real fortunate to have been a part of both. Um, I think the biggest similarity, like I spoke earlier, is um, family-owned is, is really a neat thing. So and, and Mark Davis, you know, for us as coaches, the things that he does and, and uh, staying in the NFL pension and health care, you know, I mean, it's just an amazing place to be. It really is. So for a lot of us, we've seen uh, Coach Gruden, you know, on Monday Night Football and, and analyzing the last, you know, decade or so. What kind of a camp is he running now? What, what's the difference between what we've seen with him on TV and how he is now? Are there, are there differences in his personality? Um, how is he as a, as a head coach? And what kind of, a, kind of like an attitude do you see out there with, uh, with Coach Gruden? Well, I think the, the greatest phrase I can always use about Coach Gruden is the power of example matters more than the example of power. So, you know, he's, he's the leader by example. His energy... Uh, his enthusiasm, his juice, his ability to reach every player in his own way, build individual relationships with defensive guys, offensive guys, defensive guys, whatever it is, his ability to do that is contagious throughout the entire team. So I, I think Monday night, you got a guy that, um, I think his phrase was, they hired me to analyze, not criticize. And I think here, they, they've hired him to do it all. And, um, you know, he's coaching fell to fell. He's coaching players. He's coaching coaches. He's coaching managers. He's He's coaching it all. And uh, just when you think he got away with something, he didn't see it, he'll say something to me and let you know, yeah, he sees everything. What's <laughs> this guy got? You know? So I just think for me, it's always been his um, ability to prepare and then his incredible ability to present to the team. And um, that's one of the things I've taken from him the most. And, and he's always preparing. He's over-prepared in his ability to present to the team everything from a team meeting about a situation or, you know, just about some kind of story that can relate. He can relate to the game that can bring us all together a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm just excited being back with him. Coach, I had a listener send us uh, a question. And so basically in short, the question is, you know, your title is assistant head coach, special teams coach. 
And the question reads, in the NFL, what does it mean to be an assistant head coach? So I assume they're, they're asking what are the responsibilities, the roles, uh, you know, how is that differentiated from, from a head coach, so on and so forth? Yeah, I, I'd say that's a great question. And I mean, I've been fortunate to be that even back when I was in college in a lot of places. And um, what it enables me to do with the head coach is I, I'm really involved in um, the practice schedule, involved in off-season um, program that we have to get involved in some personnel decisions, whether it be um, people we need within the, the draft, um, people that we're going to keep on the 53-man roster, just uh, uh, the ability to speak to the entire team um, at different times about either different situations or maybe some kind of a message that we all want to get across so he maybe isn't the only voice that goes on. And, but um, you know, I think head coaches sometimes have to, to some degree, delegate some different um, situations and helping with schedule, whether it's off-season, training camp, in-season, travel schedule, things like that. So, and then during the game, you know, hopefully we'll both be on the same page um, with situational football and have the ability to have conversations as they're coming up, before they come up, and how we're going to kind of maneuver ourselves through those different situations in the game. So whether or not it's fair, a lot of times your success or your failures as a team gets thrown on the head coach and the quarterback. And and we've seen with Derek Carr a couple of years ago, um, 2016, he had an MVP type season and then kind of regressed a little bit last year. It was just a bad year overall, though. It just seemed like one of those years for the Raiders where most everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, the receiving core struggled a little bit, some injury issues, just kind of bad overall. How is Derek Carr looking right now um, in, I guess, what we could call a hopeful bounce-back season? It wasn't like he was bad, but he has the upside and the ability um, to be something special. Do you think he can be that kind of a quarterback to lead a franchise to the Super Bowl? And how has he looked early on? Well, you know, that's a long, that's a lot of stuff in that question. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. I don't know if I'm physically in good enough shape to answer that thing uh, long enough. But, I, you know, we had a chance to play the Raiders last year, and it was a uh, a nip and tuck game all the way to the end. And, you know, I, I've been a part of three and 13 and then I've been a part of bouncing back and being 13 and three. And, and so we, we're all in this, in this game of football, we're, we're all on both ends of that stick. Um, and it could happen at any time. So, um, I feel like I walked into the, the shoes that, that Brad Sealy left and he left a lot of good, competent players here that have a lot of special teams knowledge from my perspective. And I'm just trying to build on that. And I think Derek Carr has every intangible, um, certainly to lead any team um, and probably lead anybody uh, to drink the water and to get themselves to, to the big game. So I, I think he's been, he's been a tremendous worker. Um, he's the first guy in the building in the morning. He's the last guy to lead. He's the Pied Piper. He's around every player. Um, every player's got something to say to him. He's got something to say to every player. Uh, he's just a true competitive um, leader that I see. And it's a, really it's a joy to be around him. Um, and again, I, I feel like there's a, a lot here for us to work with, and, and uh, there's, there's a lot of groundwork that's been laid, and we're going to come in and just try to build on all the good and, and uh, correct the things that we can. Yeah, I'm, myself, I'm a big Derek Carr fan. I think he's going to do some really special things with this team and uh, make the city of Oakland proud. And I think this coaching staff is exactly the perfect fit for him to get the most out of him. So I'm excited to see that. We are joined by the Raiders assistant head coach, special team coach, Rich Bisasia. Want to talk to you about the kicking battles. You had mentioned earlier that you're, you know, one of your responsibilities is narrowing, narrowing the roster down to 53. I know that's always a tough part, especially because you grow close to some of these players. 
And that's obviously tough on them as an agent. I've been on that side of it where, you know, my guys win a battle or my guys have lost a battle. There's a lot of emotion there. So let's start with the kicking battle. Obviously, Giorgio did a fantastic job last year replacing a very popular Sebastian Janikowski. Did a tremendous job. He's going up against Eddie Pinero, the rookie from Florida. How's that battle going thus far? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, but then one guy has a great day, and, then, and the next guy has a not very good day, and then next guy they flip it, and that guy has a not very good day, and the other guy comes in and has a good day. So right now they're just nip and tuck. I think they're just getting their legs under him. You know, Eddie was in the East Coast for a month and then flew out here and had three days, of, four days of rookie camp. And so it's, uh, I think it'll, it'll go a while. Um, and uh, I just think we're looking for more consistency out of both of them. I think that's the key. We're, uh, I'm used to being around guys that, you know, are in the 92% range of, of um, field goal percentage, and, and uh, especially if we're inside the 50. Uh, I think that's our goal, and that's what we're looking for. So I think we're looking for a lot, of cons- lot more consistency from both. Um, throughout the practices and then certainly throughout the preseason game. But everything they do matters, and everything they do is being looked at uh, in a way in which it's a competitive situation. So, And we're, we're going through two snappers as well. We've got Andrew DePolo from Chicago, and we got a free agent, um, and Andrew Scott from Kansas State, who's um, got great size and good feet and competing really well with Andrew and keeping him on his toes as well. So um, it'll be an interesting competition, but um, nothing's been solidified yet, and uh, no one's made the 53 yet. Of course. Now the, the punter and holder is uh, Johnny Townsend also yeah. has an unenviable task in terms of replacing a fan favorite, which is Marquette King. How's Johnny looked thus far? Yeah, well, we're real excited about Johnny. Obviously we, we drafted him. We did a lot of work on him. Our scouts did a lot of work on him. You know, we did in our special teams room, did a lot of work on him. He's real athletic. He's got great size. Um, he can direct the ball. Uh, he's got some funky kicks that he's working on, so we're looking forward to him. He may have some bumps in the room as time goes on and some peaks and valleys, but it happens to all young guys. But uh, we're expecting him to, to um, hold the fourth down at that position. He's, right now he's going through holding for a lefty and holding for a righty and holding for a lefty and holding for a righty and really doing a good job with that. So we're excited about his progress and the direction that he's going. And we know you're super busy and have to run here shortly, get back to things, but... Uh, I have to assume that you kind of handpicked bringing uh, Ryan Switzer over from Dallas. Well, I think you know I was you know Coach Coon again has watched a, a lot of football and and uh, I think he saw Ryan take him to the house against Jay um, last year and we played against Washington. But you know there was a lot of conversations in the draft room and the scouts that we have had done a lot of work on him the year before. And I don't know how really you know Coach kind of called me in at the end of that situation of how they ended up uh, working their way through a, a trade with him and and um, I just know him. From a character standpoint and from a work standpoint, um, he's certainly someone we'd love to have on our team competing. And, and uh, he's in a competitive situation as well with Dwayne and, and some other players as well. Nick Nelson returns. And, and uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens in the end. Yeah, Ryan's got some versatility too. I mean, he's a wide receiver, uh, you know, small speedster, can also return punts and kicks as well. So, uh, you know, I'm sure Raider Nation is going to really uh, like him. But uh, Dwayne, like he said, he's a veteran. He's got some experience, been with the Cowboys, been with the Giants. So all in all, I think uh, the special teams as a unit is uh, well positioned with you to be kind of in that top tier all the way around from the kicking game, punting game, return game, you know, um, schematically, et cetera. Uh, just your overall assessment uh, before we let you go. Well, I think, we, again, we're trying to we're mix and match a bunch of different guys. It all starts with the pump protection team for us, and, and uh, we're trying to play with uh, three different teams and get guys a bunch of reps and pads and practice and 
you know, we're really trying to build an all-trust unit in those big four units of kickoff, kickoff return, and punt and punt return. And, and uh, so we're trying to find the matchups that work right, guys that can play together, guys that we can trust. They understand the standard we're looking for and the expectation of how that standard's supposed to look every day in practice. And hopefully we'll keep the right guys and they can put themselves in position to be the glue that helps us win. Outstanding. So, Coach, where are you off to next after you get off the phone here? I'm going to give me a workout. Looking at that weight room right now. You got me on the grass. I'm just fighting <laughs> gravity stuff. at my age. I'm going to get one in. <laughs> well, hey, you're, you're looking good. I'm sure you're feeling good. I'm sure 2018 is uh, something that you're really excited about. I know here we are, uh, you know, closely monitoring the Raiders. Obviously, I've got Raiders blood into me. My very first. You got a dog named Raider. My yeah. dog is named Raider. And, you know, my, my professional sporting uh, life started with the Raiders as an intern back in 1996. So uh, I'm supposed to be neutral. I'm not supposed to be biased. But hey, everybody knows not, where, uh, where my heart lays. So we're well, really I got, I got, I got, I got, I got four kids. When I sent them all in the package, they all took a picture, and the headlines was "We look great in black." So <laughs> that's awesome. Leading that's by awesome. example, just like Coach Gruden. Great job, Coach. I hear you, man. Well, I appreciate the time, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, best of luck this season, and uh, we hope we can connect with you sometime in the future when you guys are maybe uh, 8-0 or something like that. I look forward to it. Go Raiders. Yes, sir. Go Raiders. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. Great interview. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm sure Raider Nation's really, really going to enjoy that interview. You know, we covered a lot of different things. Coach covered so many different things. I think you could – can't you feel that optimism, Gino, yeah, through the phone? Well, and, f- and in football, you know, at the beginning of the year when you have a camp like this, but in football, too, as, as he mentioned, and you and I were talking about this um, in our pre-show meeting, it's so easy. It can turn so quickly from you're projected to have a great year and then one or two things go wrong. And, you know, football, you with your 16-game season, it's not like baseball or basketball or hockey where you have, you know, a month where you can kind of make up for it. You, you have a couple bad games and you struggle, it turns. Or the other way, you know, things go well early on. All of a sudden, you're a team that had no expectations and you're riding high, you're riding on confidence, and now uh, you're one of the major contenders. So, man, it's crazy how it can turn in football. So that's why you always have to be optimistic right away because you really never know. Your team could have struggled last year, and then, man, this year, it could absolutely be your year in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, and with, with you could feel the – the Gruden, he's, he loves being around Gruden. You could just tell, you know, it rubs off on him. He's going to go work out right now. Uh, he's, he's doing the, uh, the lead by example too. So I want to go, I want to go play for the Raiders, Mike. I want to go have him slap me on my butt right now. When I run out, where's my Pat, where's my Pat. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me tell you, Gino, when I asked that question about the differences between the Cowboys and the Raiders, I mean, I think he kind of had to toe the line a little bit and, uh, you know, make sure that he's, you know, kind of politically correct. Yeah, you don't want to, you, know? you don't want to step on anyone's toes. Yeah, I think if he was even a little bit more candid, he would have just said the biggest difference is the energy level. You know, yeah. Coach Garrett is kind of an even keel guy. And I think that's kind of what makes him a good head coach. But I think this is different. I think there's more emotion here. There's more raw emotion. There's more like raw, raw, high energy, you know, we and, feed off of our crazy fans. We're going to come in there and kick your ass and knock you, you know what I mean? Like, I really like what he said about how, and, and I think you can, you can see it when you, when you watch Gruden, um, Gruden do like the quarterback camps and stuff like that. And, you know, even when I would coach kid, like kids and soccer and, and club, what, what he tries to do is he tries to personally reach everyone. And I think that is a kind of a newer age coaching, um, 
attribute because a lot of the old school coaches that's my way or the highway this is the way we're doing it but you know with the younger kids everyone's a little bit different now you really got to try to reach them all individually because it's hard to to use one kind of method to reach everyone especially on a football team with so many different personalities and I can really see Gruden as the type of guy who personally goes goes after everyone finds out how to best motivate them and he gets the most out of them and it's different with every player you know the way that Mike Abadir would needs to be motivated is different than the way I would need to be motivated just sure. based on personality so I love hearing that too because in my opinion that's what you have to be to be a great coach nowadays you have to be able to relate to everyone and you you can't really just say hey you guys all need to relate to me and that's what I really like to hear about Gruden because I think he is doing the the extra things to Make everyone comfortable, man. The vibe just seems fun now with Raider yeah, Nation. No doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. Now, I know we're up against a commercial break here, but, you know, uh, I, I guess I'll leave you with this thought. It's kind of interesting because one of the criticisms is, has the game gone past John Gruden? You know, he's been out of the, you know, head coach realm for, for quite a few years now. I've been in the broadcast booth. Has the game passed him up? Has technology evolved so quickly that he's playing catch up? Uh, you know, so it's interesting because y- you'd said, you know, it's kind of a, a newer type style. So it's and I, I clearly think, something he brings to the table is just the, his, the way he connects with people. That, that's Maybe that's more important than the technology and all these other the things that people are criticizing. Systems. And, and I agree with you because hearing this, just the, the few little responses that we got from Coach, I, my mind is because I, I didn't think I thought a little bit like what you were saying, though. You wonder when he's he hasn't coached in a while. Is he going to come in with this old school mentality? And just hearing how his mentality is, it's the opposite of what I would have thought. He doesn't come in with a huge ego saying, hey, I'm this big TV guy or I was a coach and I have all I've had this past success. That's not at all how he's come in. He's come in and he wants to work. And it's like from the bottom up, that's how you have to run an organization. That's how you have to run a successful organization. You have to get everyone believing in you, trusting you. And as he said, he's he's leading by example. He's doing it himself. I, I love the, I repeated lead by example five times because I love that as a coach. I think that's what you have to do. You really have to get your players to believe in you. And I feel like, I feel like this group will do so because I believe in him right now and I haven't even been into practice. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, this Raider conversation is fascinating. Obviously, one of those teams, just like last week's uh, conversation about the Cowboys and our preview of that team, it's just one of those teams that, you know, is intriguing. They're polarizing. They're polarizing. They're, you know, they're always a team that's worthy of discussion, whether they're a bad team, a good team. And this year just happens to be that there's a lot of optimism. And, you know, I think this could be a bounce back year. Let's continue the conversation after the commercial break. Our next guest is going to be Vic Tafur with The Athletic. We've, we love bringing in these guys from The Athletic. I think this is probably our fifth or sixth one. Yeah. And uh, they always bring it. They always give you a different perspective and different insights. Very analytical. So, yeah, they yep. do a great so, job. Man. Yep, we're, we're running late on a commercial break. So let's take one right now. Stay with us, Raider Nation. We'll continue the conversation and we'll be joined by Vic shortly here. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to mike at the mike now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. That was a fantastic interview with Raiders assistant head coach, special teams coach, Rich Bichasia. That was a, you know, a treat, like uh, we joked about at the top of the show. Uh, we are further treated to an, another outstanding guest. Raider Nation is going to love this entire episode. Uh, you know, any listeners of ours know how much we love The Athletic as a publication, the writers are tremendous. They cover teams, give insight like no other media outlet does. So super excited to have our next guest here from the Athletic San Francisco up there in the Bay Area. Covers the Raiders, MMA, mixed martial arts, uh, you know, and does a fantastic job. Definitely urge everybody to check him out. And I'm talking about Vic Tafer with the Athletic. Vic, how are you? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day in Napa. It's all, it's all good. No, no complaints. Well, what's the weather like right now? Uh, it's perfect. It's uh, oh, a little cloudy this morning with the clouds burned off, and now it's uh sun's bearing down. Probably like um, 80 degrees, like a 75. So, yeah, it's nice. Not not, not too bad, because I've been, I've been up there uh, with my clients when uh, it's a sizzling 100, and uh, as long as it doesn't hit that century mark, I guess it's all good. Yeah, so far we've been pretty lucky. It hasn't been too hot. Definitely gets uh, a little toasty. If you don't have your sunscreen, you'll pay a price, but uh, not no brutal days yet. <laughs> yep, well, very good. Well, speaking of not being too hot, it sounds like uh, camp's kind of starting off a little bit slow here. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bigger and smaller storylines to get to. So 
Let's just start from the top, get this biggie out of the way, which is the Khalil Mack situation. So we've heard some things suggesting that Coach Gruden, since the day he's taken over running the ship, has not once spoken to Mack. We've heard others saying, no, 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 that's not true. Kind of walk us through what you know and what you sense is kind of where the truth really lies and, and how does this thing play out? Well, they, they talked when Gruden was hired. I'm not, I'm not sure they ever met, but they've actually talked on the phone. They haven't talked since because um, as far as the MAC negotiations go, there's no real reason for Gruden to get involved in all. I mean, it's all about, um, right now it's just the numbers. So you have um, Reggie McKenzie and the numbers guys on the Raiders, and you got Mac who's pretty much one of his agents, Joel Siegel, do all the talking. So pretty much those guys are doing all the talking at this point. There hasn't been a lot of talking. There hasn't been a lot of progress of late, but... Um, Raiders were an offer back in the spring. Uh, obviously, it wasn't good enough. So, the uh, impasse right now, a holdout on uh, day seven. I don't think he'll be reporting anytime soon. I think he wants to be, if not the, one of the you know top two highest paid defensive guys in the league. He wants an extension. And he has a $14 million contract wait for him. The opposite player, the team option for your rookie deal, you know, the fifth year. So, if he can't get an extension, he'll have to come back and play under, under that contract. But he wants it. Uh, I think at some point, they'll. they'll They'll figure something out. I think I'm, I'm not going to panic. A lot of people are panicking right now, but I think it's early. Um, last year, Donald Penn held out. It lasted 26 days. He got a little bump. He got more money for doing it. So I think yeah, definitely more leverage on Max Price, one of the best players in the league. He's 27 years old and you're the foundation of your franchise. So I think he has a little more leverage than, uh, than Penn did. Let's move to the opposite side of the ball. To me, when I look at the Raiders this year, one of the most kind of inter, uh, interesting topics is they're wide receivers. This is a group that is really, really talented, and they might have as high of a ceiling and as upside as any group, but their floor might also be, you know, one of the lowest because we just, we've seen a lot of inconsistency from these guys in the last couple of years. We're talking about Cooper last year who struggled with some drops, but as far as talent, that's never been an issue. Jordy Nelson has been one of the best receivers in the game. And then we know Martavius Bryant can really stretch the field a little bit. So kind of uh, give us the overview on this wide receivers group and what have you kind of seen and heard so far with this group? I do think it's a good group. I think it all starts with Amari. I think at this point in his career, you would expect him to be at that elite level. He hasn't quite gotten there for a variety of reasons, some injuries and some drops you mentioned. I think last year was a mess with the offensive coordinator and the offense kind of went off the rails a little bit. Uh, he's, again, in great shape. He has everything you want. And the number one guy, he's, he's quick. He's an expert route runner. Has, you know, uh, makes big plays when, when needed. So I just think he's a guy, if he takes off that next level, then the offense will follow him. That's going to be the plan. Uh, Jordan Nelson kind of takes over from, for uh, Crabtree, kind of veteran guy. You can look to him third down. He's been good as far as mentoring the younger guys. More definitely a, um, a better leader type than Crabtree was. We'll see if he makes the same amount of plays. And Crabtree was pretty clutch. We made a lot of uh, touchdown grabs in the games and kind of was car security blanket for the uh, first couple of years there. Then, and so that he got Martavis Bryant, who's supposed to be the new deep threat. And that would be an exciting new wrinkle for the Raiders offense. They haven't had one of those in a long time. Ryan Switzer's probably the slot guy, a quick kind of guy who didn't quite. Um, he didn't really take off of the Cowboys, but um, Gruden likes what he has to offer. His kind of his, you know, intensity and his kind of his sudden cuts and the, and the quick movements inside. So, if all those four guys do well, it should be a pretty good, uh, pretty good core. 
Now, speaking of uh, the receiving core, their success is obviously going to be tied into uh, Derek Carr's progress. We spoke a little bit with uh, Coach Bichasia about this, but, you know, in the first couple of days here, have you noticed anything different about Carr, whether it be mechanics, maybe uh, attitude, leadership? Uh, has the Gruden influence kind of been noticed as of uh, yet? I think it looks a little more. I don't, mature is a, a weird word because he's always been a very mature guy, but I just think he's more maybe in command. The, the confidence is more, um, this is my team. Let's make sure we get it right this time. So last year, like I said, it kind of uh, it, it all went wrong. I think Gruden's come in and they've hit it off. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, everything this time of year is always positive. Every, every new coach and every player love each other, and every offense, defense is great, and everyone is fully on board. I have to wait and see what happens when they lose some games against adversity with, as far as Gruden and, and Carr go. So far, it's been great. There's no reason they think it wouldn't work because Carr has all the tools you want and the top quarterback. He's a big arm, a very smart guy, and Gruden obviously has a quarterback pedigree. So at this point, everything looks very positive. Good to hear. And, you know, I kind of want to shift gears for a quick second. Uh, and we're joined by Vic Taffer with the, Taffer with the Athletic San Francisco uh, great periodical, as I told everybody at the top of the show, highly recommend uh, checking out his work. One of your pieces, you had a two-part conversation with Reggie McKenzie. You know, just maybe walk our listeners through, giving them a tease as to why they should subscribe and listen. But uh, what did you kind of take out of that interview uh, with uh, with uh, McKenzie? Uh, the biggest things were just, um, we talked about the crew Mac. He wasn't going to give me any details in the negotiations, but you could tell it was definitely a personal connection. He definitely um, not only like wants uh, Khalil Mack back, but obviously he loves him both as a player and as a person. He's a, he's a guy he wants to be one of the key figures in this, in this turnaround. I think that he's confident it'll get done. There's no sense of panic quite yet, which I, I've always thought um, that Reggie does a good job of numbers and has a plan in mind. And there's no, no rush to carry it out. I think they have to all, all month pretty much to get that done. I also was taking, I took some from that conversation with, uh, with, Mike, with Reggie. He and Gruden, there's been rumors they don't get along. Reggie's kind of in a weird spot where you know, Gruden comes in and he gets, whatever, $100 million and pretty much calling the, the personnel shots. He has the last say. But the thing about these two guys, if you just see them for five minutes together, is their personalities are pretty, they're both kind of, Gruden can be intense, but he's also kind of laid back, very funny. Definitely, they're both football guys. They can watch film, you know, so their eyes bleed. I mean, they, they love, they love football. I can sit around talking about things they've seen and been a part of over the years. They, they first met back in like 30 years ago. So I think they get along really well. Like, and Reggie's really enjoying that part of camp, just kind of seeing the different wrinkle that, that Gruden brings. Do you think there's any element of, you know, McKenzie saying, hey, look, uh, there's been a lot of time since you last were on the sidelines, and here are the areas where you kind of need to play some catch-up, whether it be – you know, schematically, or there be technology, um, anything of, of, of that nature, or have they just kind of sat back and been like, hey, Coach Gruden, you're the $100 million man, you know what you're doing, we're not going to step on any toes. I'm not sure much of that would even be public anyways, but what's your sense on that? No, I think a lot of that was the whole Gruden and technology. I know they made some, some jokes to the kind of people kind of would mess with it, but I think a lot of it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. I think what Gruden's done is, he's been away from the sideline, but he's definitely been been up close to the game as an announcer, and he get, got to see all, all these teams behind the scenes, how they work. They're kind of building up his list of coaches he wanted and kind of nurtured those guys over the years, like, hey, I may come back soon, be ready. And I like his little red, you know, 
the, the red phone would ring and you knew it was time to go uh, join Gruden staff. So I think he's done a really good job of bringing top guys in. Like, and that's why those guys could be on top of the newest trains in the league and the technology, like Paul Gunther and Greg Olson, the last with the Rams, they're one of the best offenses in the NFL. You mentioned Versace, another top, top um, system coach. So I think Gruden's staff is going to be the key thing as far as helping him bridge that gap between when he was here last and how the game has changed now. Yeah, I thought it was much ado about nothing myself when uh, when you'd hear people talking about that, but wanted to kind of get your insight since you're up and close there, you know. Yeah, and the Gruden's going to have a lot of sound bites. I'm not sure a lot of it mean anything. I think he's, uh, you know, he's going to have fun with all these things. He's gonna, sure. His mood's going to vary. I just don't, like, the other day he mentioned, I think it was NFL Network, how uh, yeah, the Raiders' defense last year was bad, even with Mac. People are like, oh, my God, he's giving Mac a shot. I don't, I really just think it, I mean, it was, it's a true comment. Their offense was terrible. I went, I mean, by no means is he blaming Khalil Mack. It's just the kind of thing where I think he's saying, I got enough guys to worry about here. I can't be answering Khalil Mack questions every day. So I just think he analyzes what he says you know, a hundred different ways. And to Don's credit, he's going to answer a lot of these questions. I just don't know if you can really sit back and pick apart each answer as what the, the deeper meaning is. You made a good point there. Even with the Khalil Mack, this defense really struggled last year. And in the last you know, few years, as we've seen the Raiders come back into being a, you know, a playoff-type team, the de- it's been the offense that's gotten them there. It really hasn't been the defense. Do we expect to see some improvement a little bit from this defense again? We know on the defensive front there are some playmakers there. But as far as the, the secondary and, and how this team is going to defend the pass, what do we expect from the Raiders on that side of the ball? I think I've been, I've been very impressed with Paul Gunther. I think he'll be a key guy in terms of turning things around. I think he knows what he's doing and knows how to mix up the looks and confuse offenses. They also got you know probably a first round talent in Maurice Hurst in the fifth round for you know various reasons. He had a heart condition, something took him off the board, but he's here now. He's practicing. He looks good, and he fits in really well with Gunther's system as far as that first step on the inside you know, of the interior line. So they brought a lot of veteran guys in, guys who are, you know, definitely are intense. And I'm not sure how much they have left, but they have enough left to make some impact this year and kind of help the younger guys develop, probably. So I just think, I think Gunther's going to be a big reason why the defense is even a little bit better than last year, which is really, you know, it's all about making improvements. And last year you mentioned I mean, the defense was not good, but the reason they fell off, you know, the cliff last year was because their offense, which had carried them, all of a sudden wasn't very good. So I think if the offense can get back to where it was, even close, defense makes an improvement, and they're back in business. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It just seemed like last year there was so little margin for error for the defense because the offense wasn't carrying them. And at, at least if you're able to get back to that, we see with a couple strong wide receivers. And the, the offense looks, again, to be very strong. So if they're able to put some points up, it'll actually take a little bit of pressure off that defense. Yeah, I'll also add that I think one of the moves that Gunther's already made that looks really good is He's putting Bruce Irvin from linebacker back, back, uh, back to a defensive end, kind of a full-time pass rusher. Probably won't play as much, which I think will be good for Bruce not to use all his energy as some left late in the game. So I think Bruce, his goal for his whole career is to get a 10 sacks. He's never gotten there, but there's no reason to think he can't do that this season. Yeah, I've always been of the mentality that uh, you're, you're, sometimes your best pass rush can come from having a really strong secondary uh, looks like Conley's hip issue is going to maybe linger on a little bit. They've got the veteran there with uh, Leon Hall, tons of experience in the league. And, you know, you've got a, a blend of, of youngsters and guys with a little bit of experience. 
as a whole, how do you kind of view the, the, the cornerbacks uh, as well as the safeties and, uh, you know, how, how they've looked so far and what do you kind of project going into the season? I think it's interesting. There's some guys who definitely could uh, surprise people. I think Rashawn Melvin wants to show he's the number one cornerback and his plan is to go back into a free agency next year and, and get red coaches. Not a bad plan. He's definitely shown flashes of being number one guy. Darren Worley's a guy who's also shown flashes of being pretty good. He had off field trouble. He was with the Eagles for a month and was gone because of a DUI issue where he passed out on the highway, I think. But he's been really good here. He's definitely made a good impression and been shown well on the field at least. And uh, also another guy is Nick Nelson, a rookie uh, out of Wisconsin. They drafted him. He had a knee injury, but he's now back. And he's shown some, some playmaking ability. So there's some guys there besides Conley who are at least interesting and guys to watch. Yeah, they uh, use some some pretty, uh, you know, I, I should say the, the, the draft seemed to have a, you know, a nice blend of offense and defensive players, but I kind of felt that, you know, between, you know, PJ Hall and uh, Key, Nelson, some of these guys that they got on the defensive side that, uh, you know, they, they have some pretty good young players to, to plug some of these holes. Uh, one of the other guys that they drafted was a punter. Johnny Townsend. Marquette King was a fan favorite. We talked to Coach Bachasia a great length about, you know, some of the positional battles. And uh, I know you addressed uh, the kicking game a little bit on, uh, on one of your tweets, you know, between Giorgio and uh, Eddie Pinero. But let's start from the punting game and then work our way back to the kickers. Um, you know, is, is Johnny Townsend going to be one of those picks, kind of like a Sebastian Janikowski, where you look at it 10, 15 years from now and you're like, hey, yeah, we used a draft pick on him. Yeah, it was a lot, you know, late round draft pick, but nonetheless, it shored up this position for the next decade. Does he have that type of makeup in him? I'm not sure. I think it's early yet. I think he definitely looks like he's solid. He had a good, solid college resume. I think um, you can see a training camp he has at the foot, and um, it was see why they, they wanted him. I think that uh, you know, replacing Marquette King is going to be tough. Marquette King definitely had some issues as far as you know the penalties and kind of. Um, Maybe man, too much about himself as opposed to being a team guy, but he had games where he was dominant. I mean, they, they won some games where he was a big part of the reason why. So they're going to miss that. I think that's definitely tough that goes to a division rival. So I think there'll be games they miss uh, Marquette King, but I think as a guy, you're going to build a young guy to come in and be fine and ideally one day keep you know, improving. I think Johnny Townsend should, should be okay. Yeah, agreed. And then, uh, you know, Giorgio came in last year, uh, replaced another fan favorite, which was Sebastian Janikowski. You know, I thought Giorgio uh, did a, a, a fine job, um, you know, did well from, from beyond 50, had a little bit of inconsistency, I guess, overall as a whole, you know, did enough to supplant uh, Janikowski. Uh, but they bring in the rookie from uh, Florida, Eddie Pinero. I think thus far from my observation, it seems, uh, and this was kind of, corroborated by what Coach Bachasia said. It seems like one day one is on, the next day the other is on. Um, you know, what from your vantage point, how have you evaluated the kicking game? You know, only a few days in, of course. Yeah, they're definitely taking turns. I think we'll see um, separation come when they start the preseason games. But for me, it's a, it's a bad sign for Georgia. I think when you give a guy, like give Pinero, a $25,000 signing bonus, which is, you know, for a kicker, that's that's uh that's pretty nice. I just think that um, he's helped a lot by Townsend was his holder in college. That's a big, it's a big plus he has on his side. I just think it's new blood. Gruden's new blood. I think Giorgio eventually was good last year. I wouldn't say it was great. So I think he would need to be great this preseason to uh, hold off Pinero. Yeah, no doubt about that. 
uh, agree there. Hey, I wanna, uh, let me jump in with quickly. Oh, yeah, go ahead, because I'm curious about more so even than the Raiders right now. I think the AFC West is a really intriguing division. You know, when you're looking at the uh, the win totals projected um, and the over unders, this division is really really tight between. Um, a couple new quarterbacks coming in now. I think the Raiders are projected somewhere around eight with their win total. But I think this is going to be one of the, the more interesting divisions because you have a lot of uh, pieces changing. The Chargers are supposed to be a little bit better this year, but it, it's another thing with the Chargers where every time they're supposed to take that next step, they kind of uh, are a little bit disappointing. What do you expect from some of the other teams in the AFC West this year? And uh, how do you think the Raiders will stack up? Where, where kind of do you see them with that eight over under. Yeah, I do think it's wide open. I do think the Chargers are probably the favorites at this point, but you mentioned they have, uh, they have some bad history on their side. Plus, again, they really have some pretty bad injuries just out of, the, out of the gate. So, I think the Chargers are probably right there at the top, and I would probably say the, um, the Chiefs will have a new quarterback with the champs last year. It's like they saw um, Eddie Reid was a great coach. And then, I mean, it's kind of unknown. I think, you know, we've talked about the tools they have on offense and even some of the defensive possibilities, but, um, so I think it's hard to predict what they're going to do this year. No one really knows how it's going to work with Putin. So I think they probably are right on that eight number, the over-under in Vegas is eight. Like you'll see them winning nine games um, and screwing over. So I just think it's wide open. I think the uh, the Broncos are probably the worst of the four teams at this point. But, um, again, when you got Von Miller and they got those receivers who are pretty good, if Case Keenum can come in and, and pick, off, pick up where he left off last year, then all of a sudden they're also pretty good. Yeah, I think for me, Vic, uh, the, when I look at this team, I think they've really filled a lot of the uh, holes. You know, I remember last year thinking to myself, after that Chiefs, that crazy Chiefs game, which was back and forth, and I think Carr had the game winner, what was it, three or four times all in one sequence, and there were penalties on each side that kept on extending the game, and then finally the Raiders won an epic battle. I thought that was going to be the turnaround game, and every time that I – you know, during the season where I thought this is the game that's going to change things around. It seems like there was just no consistency or they weren't able to use that to establish any momentum. As I look into this year, though, the thing that concerns me, uh, which was also a concern going into last year that I don't think they addressed was the running game. You know, uh, when I look at Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin, you know, I see guys that maybe their best years are behind them. Do you think that that's kind of an area of concern for, for the Raiders, um, whether it be secretly or or just in terms of your opinion? You know, what are your thoughts of the running game? Yeah, I definitely can see that. I think Marshawn's in good shape this year. He and Gruden are definitely uh, played pretty well. So I think he was pretty good at the end of last year. He came in a little last year, but I think towards last season, he kind of saw flashes of the old beast mode. So I think as long as you're asking for only like 15, 20 carries a game, I think it should be fine. I think... Doug Martin's the unknown. I mean, Doug Martin's had two really bad years in a row. But uh, both Gruden and McKenzie swear by him. They say he's rejuvenated. He can see the, uh, the old twitch is back. He's not old. So if he's healthy, he's definitely fired up. So if he's a guy who can come in and spell Marshawn, then all of a sudden the running game actually may be pretty good. And then behind those two guys is a bunch of unknowns. I think Jalen Rashard and DeAndre Washington are kind of fighting for one spot. And uh, but I think if, if you know, Doug Martin's a key guy. Doug Martin is really what... Um, Gruden says he is, then they have a chance to definitely um, be something special in, in the running game. Yeah, hey, shifting gears for a quick second, something that I've always uh, really loved about Bay Area sports is whether it be, you know, the San Francisco Giants or 
Niners, Raiders, A's, you name it. They've always had great announcers. Uh, I'm a big, you know, radio listener myself. Love uh, the game calls, whether it be on TV or radio. And the Raiders have been no exception with that. Uh, having Greg Papa and Tom Flores in the booth for as long as they've had them. I've always loved them, uh, just listening to them and, and seeing them, you know, whether it be during preseason games or whatnot. Do you have any insight as to kind of what happened there and why did they bring in Brent Musburger? Seems like he's an interesting candidate. Obviously, he's a legendary announcer, but now he's heavily involved with a sports wagering. They're moving to Vegas. You know, what do you make of this? Uh, how do you put this all together? The whys and why him and, and why them and all that good stuff. Well, I think they, when they go to Vegas, they wanted to have a, you know, a new voice. I, I don't think Papa was going to go to Vegas. I think Musburger is now established in Vegas. You mentioned the gambling ties. It's a big part of it. But I think they wanted something different for the new market. And I think the timeline got pushed up a little bit because I think Musburger wanted to start sooner than that. And I also think that there was always been some lingering issues with Papa and with Mark Davis. I mean, Papa was very close to Al Davis, but not so much Mark Davis. I think there were some things that happened over the years. There was a disagreement over the way Papa criticized the team for even interviewing Mike Shanahan. That lingered. There's some lot of issues like that where I think um, Mark Davis is like, you know what, let's, let's do it now. And I just think let's, uh, um, it's unfortunate, I think, for Raider fans who've listened to Papa for 21 years. Papa does a really nice job. I thought he should have had a chance, at least have one last season, if, if not, you know, say goodbye to Oakland with the rest of the team. But, yeah, Mark Davis is the owner. Mark Davis is calling the shots. Mark Davis wanted to make a change now, so they made a change now. So um, I'm not sure. Brent Mustard is, what, 79? Uh, to me, I'm curious. It's a tough job for a guy who's 79 years old. A lot of work, yeah. a lot of prep, yeah. a lot of names to remember. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, not yeah, ideal, you kind of have to wonder um, if there's another play there, right? I mean, maybe there's something that they're planning to do, you know, associated with the, yeah, the legalization of gambling nationwide. I mean, I don't know. There's got to be a bigger play to bring him in. I would, I would think. Well, I think. Well, I mean, he's still a big name, so I think. You, I mean, I think nationwide, he's probably more popular, more widely known than Papa is. So I just sure. think, just look at that name value. So I just, I don't know if it was. Um, Again, I don't really know what's going to happen with Musburger, how long he's going to do, and how long he's going to last in the job. But now he's the guy, and um, you know, it's, it's fortunate the way somehow chapters end and chapters start, but we definitely uh, reached a turning point in terms of the broadcasting booth. Yep, no, no, doubt, no doubt about that. Vic, we're up against the clock. we got to wrap things up here. Give, quickly give our listeners how they can follow you. I'm on Twitter, at Vic Tafer, V-I-C-T-A-F-U-R, and theathletic.com. Of all the uh, Raiders of content and actually content throughout the uh, NFL and throughout the sporting world. You have access to the whole nationwide gamut of writers. So um, that's where I'm at. Outstanding. Vic, thank you so much for joining us. We hope Raider Nation loved this episode as much as we did. And we will see you guys at the same time, same place next week. Have a great sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.